0: Welcome to the Anchored Church Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more content and upcoming events, visit anchoredchurchcsra.com. right, friends, join me in your copy of God's Word, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. And man, after worship like that, I mean, guys, guys, we're shaking the gates of hell with that singing. Amen? I mean, come on. When people align. Around the gospel, when people sing the truths about God, it doesn't matter the number, a quantity, but a quality of worship. Jesus spoke of a quality of worship, a spirit and truth, right? John chapter 4, he said, It's gotta be spirit and truth. And friends, it has been a blessing today to lead you in worship and now to um, preach the word. Man, we're gonna do something a little different today. We're gonna stand to our feet. I know you just sat down, it's been a lot of sit, stand, sit, stand, but We can stand up again, right? And we're going to stand up again, not just for the sake of it, but we're going to stand in honor of the king. God is present, and so we're going to stand and honor the reading of his word because we believe his word is completely true and trustworthy. And so let's read through this together. In fact, let's do something a little crazier. You read it with me, okay? It's going to come up on the screen. We got some different translations in our laps, so maybe let's read off the screen together. But if you want to read your copy, that's fine. If you want to toss in some bonus words there, that's that's it's all good. All right? So let's read together in Matthew chapter 7 starting in verse 7. Ready? Set. Go. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, Whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is God's word, and you may be seated. And we're going to talk about two special things today. One is the golden promise, and the other is the golden rule. Raise your hand if you've heard the golden rule before. All right, so we've been tracking this way, and Jesus has been building this argument. Last week, we talked about judging wisely, being careful in our judgments, to avoid a judgmental attitude, to prioritize repentance in our life, lest we be, what's that H word we talked about? Hypocrites, right? Verse five, was, Jesus is always calling out, exposing hypocrisy. So we got to repent well, avoid the judgmental attitude, and then lastly, to steward the gospel well. And that speaks to the missional component of the kingdom of what it means to be king. You can't be kingdom focused and kingdom minded church without being outwardly focused on the mission. The church always gravitates towards an inward focus. And we're kind of like that too, aren't we? Because the church isn't a building, it's a bunch of people. It's a gathering, the ekklesia, Greek word, that means the assembly, the gathering. That means that we come together as people, not just an institution, but people who also are naturally inward, right? Given enough time, we just focus more on ourselves. And I'll tell you what, friends, 80% of my anxiety, I'm just speaking from experience, anxiety and worry in my life, 80% of it fades away when I look outward, when I look outward at others, and I'm way too concerned about meeting the needs of others, is there a time to look inward and deal with that? Yes, on a daily basis before the Lord, but then we must turn outward. And so there's a pattern of that. We're gonna talk about some of that at the vision and prayer night. I hope you can be there. I Hope you can text someone that maybe you didn't see this morning. We got a lot of people camping, a lot of people out. We got some at a wedding. We got people kind of all over the place, but I've heard people are gonna be there tonight. and I'm so excited to have our church come together for the specific purpose of prayer and to see this new place that we'll call home and to pray over that space, but more importantly, to pray to our God, to ask him crazy and audacious things, and to get ready for the next chapter in our church's journey. Are you excited? Good. Well, if you're not, we'll give you some time to catch up. It's, it's okay. Look, change, change is hard. I get it. Change is hard. It's hard, it's hard for everyone. Okay, I like change and it's still hard for me. And so I get it. But we're going to approach this together and we're gonna talk about prayer this morning, the golden promise and the golden rule. And here's what the golden promise says. Golden promise is simply this. He promises to answer our prayers. Write that down this morning. If you're taking notes, if you don't have a physical notebook, you can type it on your notepad, it's fine, on your phone. Verses seven through 11 talk about the fact that God promises to answer our prayers. He does. It doesn't always feel like it, does it? We're going to deal with that in a moment. do not always feel like God answers our prayers. Sometimes things just look the same and I prayed it and then it's still the same. But we know God's working behind the scenes. We went through a whole series in the book of Esther, where we saw a God who works behind the scenes, behind the scenes, and behind the scenes. It could work both ways. Uh, God's name isn't even mentioned in the book of Esther, and yet He's still working, still moving, always. And so, let's just acknowledge this up front: our theology drives our prayer. I want us to think about that. Let's stop and camp out on that for a moment. What do we what do we mean by theology? Well, theology simply means the study of God, but it means who you think God is, what God does, what you think about God, who you think he is, his character, his actions, what the gospel is, what the mission of God is, what we should be focused on as Christians and as the church, who we think God is. Our theology drives our prayer. And the first instruction from Jesus is to be persistent in prayer. This is one of the hardest ones. Let's write this down this morning. Be persistent in prayer. Let's go back to the previous idea for a second that our theology drives our prayers. If you think he's the big man upstairs to tip your hat to, score the touchdown, give a little double tap and a little kiss, and the hand goes towards heaven, you know? Like if that's all God is to you, you know, the award ceremony, I like to first thank God and and then never really mention him again. Ever in my life, or I say God is great, God is good. Let us thank Him for our food. But then I'm not thinking about him. the rest. Of, if that's if that's who you think God is, just some far off man upstairs, a greater, higher power, then you'll pray like it. Then you'll pray like it. There will be zero emotion in your prayer. That's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day because I know we try to avoid emotion sometimes in the church. We go, uh-oh, if we talk about emotions in the church, then we'll get all crazy. Then, we'll, then it'll be emotionalism. But I think we're far more in danger as the kingdom of God at reducing emotion from worship, reducing emotion out of the sermon time. And we're all about the cerebral, post-enlightenment. It's a cultural thing. We've lost touch with the emotional connection with God But if you think, now if you think you're on the razor's edge thin uh, line of being kicked out of the kingdom family because you aren't living like you should be, you'll run and hide from God in fear of his judgment. You'll pray like you're scared of him. You'll be afraid to pray or you'll just demonstrate it by your actions. But if you think he's a loving father, a good and gracious savior, infinitely worthy of worship, you'll draw near to his throne continually and seek his heart. You'll pray to your daddy. You'll pray to your Father. And so he calls us to be persistent. Jesus tells us really three actions, ask, seek, and knock. We're gonna go over these real quick. The first one is ask. Ask and it will be given to you. Now here's what ask does. Ask reminds us that we are needy. Ask reminds us that we are needy. Write that down this morning because I'll tell you, one thing that we hate being in our world today is needy. If you were to be called a needy person, how would that make you feel? You know, Jordan, man, he's so needy. He's so needy. Gosh, man. You know, Kathy, man, she's just so needy. Just needy, needy, needy. It's, it's negative, right? It basically means you ask for stuff too much. It means you, you, you're kind of a moocher. You know, like you mooch off of other people. But we are needy people. And even worse in America, there's this, there, there's this, um, and I'm not saying it's all bad. There's some good in it, but applied spiritually can get us in trouble because there's this pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I'm, I'm own, like, I'm going to work hard and just do my own thing. And anything that I have is because I worked hard for it. And again, there's, there's, there's grains of truth in that. The hard work is good. You reap what you sow. All of that's biblical. But we get out of balance when we think, when we basically build a life that doesn't need God. Right? And I asked this question about a month ago when I was preaching. It's coming to mind now, but I'm going to ask it again. Have you built your life around a need for God? Or have you lived so comfortably and so safely that you really don't need him? If he didn't really come through other than keeping you breathing and just like generally being sovereign over everything, but like meeting needs in your life? Have you built it to where you kind of have your safety hatches built in? There's really no risk. You're, You're living risk free. I don't know guys, I'm reading the gospels in the book of Acts and I'm seeing a lot of risk. Jesus said something like, oh man, what was it? Oh yeah, if you wanna follow me, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross and then follow me. And you know what a lot of people did at that point? He's out. And they left. The crowds thinned out. Jesus knew how to thin out a crowd. He knew how to attract a crowd and he knew how to thin out a crowd for sure. So persistence, we ask. The way this verb is, is structured in verse 7 and verse 8, ask, seek, and knock. The tense of the Greek verb means to keep on. It doesn't mean just to do it once, ask, boom, check, done. No, keep on asking. And so, some of your translations in your lap may say that, depending on what translation you're reading this morning. It might be NIV, it might, might, might be another one. But it says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. So this is a keep on. And it, remind, it reminds us that we're needy. But guys, I know what it's like to grow up in a dysfunctional family and to live in dysfunction for a long time. And sometimes our dysfunctional family dynamics have, have this traumatic effect on us where it, it affects our image of God and our desire to approach him with needs because you couldn't come to mom and dad with a need. Because you couldn't just go talk to dad or talk to mom. And you couldn't just ask him for something and they would meet it, Right? I know there are some of us in the room that, are, that grew, grew up that way or maybe you have experienced those things. Maybe people really burned you and you're hurt and you're showing up this morning wounded and you're like, Man, if I mean, like, how, do, how do I know I can really trust God? I can't even see him. I can't audibly hear him. How do, how do I place that faith on them when the people I can see and I can hear them and I, and I have the tangibility in front of me, I can't even trust those people. So how am I supposed to have faith in a big and mighty God? I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying that Jesus gives us a golden promise. And you can trust in in who Jesus is because what we just celebrated through Easter, he proved that he was God. He rose again from the grave. He proved that he's trustworthy. Everything he ever said came to pass. Not only to ask, but to seek. Let's, Let's write this down. So we did ask. Seek. Keep on seeking. This reminds us that we are what? Worshippers. Underline that after you write it down. Put it in bold. Scribble it. Real like make it emphatic because God designed us to be worshipers. That's why the first core value of our church as it stands right now, we have six. We're gonna do a core value series starting this Sunday. Our first Sunday at Harvest Point, we're gonna kick off a core value series. A lot of us, if I were to ask, what are our core values? Go ahead and name all six. We'd be like, I think that was a Discover Anchor, but I don't really know. That's my fault. That's why we need to do a series on it. I need, I need to talk about them more. And so I'm hitting one right now, core value, worship. We lift up, we exalt God. That's why we do that every week. It is not Christian karaoke. This is not just a time to come. Oh yeah, I heard that song on the radio. Oh yeah, it's so, so, so fun. We sing together. Guys, we're singing to him. The words that we're saying when the songs come on the screen, we're directing it upward. Not this way, whoever stands here or whoever's back here serving. No one on this stage wants anything directed. We want it directed vertically. It's our up rhythm. And we sing, we remind ourselves that we're worshipers through our actions, through our words, through our Bible study time, through our prayer time. We are worshipers. He made you that way. Psalm 42. Psalm 42. David wrote this amazing song. And let's just read the first couple of verses of that. As a deer, I don't know how much you know about deer, but here we go. We're going to learn a little something. As a deer longs for flowing streams. Did you know that? Deer get thirsty. We all do. We're Created beings that survive off of water. As a deer longs for the flowing streams, so I long for you, God. Let me ask the question. Can you honestly say that you long for God? When that fifth day of no quiet time happens, what happens in you? Is there a longing for him? Honestly, And that's not a cut at you to make you feel guilty. If not, that's just to expose a need that you and I have for him. And you know what we can pray today? Just at least one thing during our response time. We're gonna have a response time in a little bit. You can pray, God, I don't feel that longing, but I want it. Will you cultivate in me a longing for you? And you know the best thing to help a longing for the Lord is consistency in his word. I guarantee you. Daily Bible time, even if it's just five minutes a day to start out with, it will cultivate in you. you. Begin to plant seeds of truth, and God's word never returns void. You will have a harvest of longing. I thirst for God. There's a thirst, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? It's like this I can't wait to get to church. I can't wait. To get to that vision and prayer night so I can gather with my church family and just seek the face of the Lord. I can't wait to get up at blankety blank 30, or I can't wait till lunch break when I'm when I have my quiet time. Then, or I can't wait until tonight when after all the kids go to bed, and I can finally sit and exhale and get in the word whenever that time is for you. It doesn't matter about the time, it matters that we have a time. It matters that we seek Him and find Him. Jeremiah 29, 13 says. This is this is God taught this is one of the most clear things that God has said in Scripture. He says, If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. It's the golden promise. Ask, seek. But then there's knock. This reminds us that we're dependent on God. Now, you can tell a lot about Who's at the door about how they knock, right? Let's just test some out real quick, all right? I'm going to use this fine piece of wood here, all right? Let's just let's test this one out. Oh. Who's at the door? Police, right? That is a good police knock. That is, that, that is not the knock you want to hear. Or a really angry neighbor, your dog has pooped in their yard again, and they are not having it, all right? You need to bag, bag it up. All right, here we go. Next one. Who's at the door? It's probably grandpa or dad or just somebody being, you know, it's kind of like TV dad knock, all right? Depending on the knock, you can tell a lot about who's at the door. So what's your knock before the Lord sound like? What kind of knock do you deliver to God? Is it a knock of dependence? Is it an urgent knock? That means like, now, <laughs> please, this one, uh, this is, is one of my least favorite. When me and my kids go around the neighborhood, you know, we'll, we'll go delivering stuff to neighbors and just go, um, you know, kind of meet them and stuff. We'll just, you know, we'll have, you know, they'll be like, barely even hear that one, right? They're definitely not coming to the door. And some of us, when we pray, James 4.2 says, you, you have not because you ask not. And we're just, um, God, hey, um, you yeah, yeah, get a second. No, what did Kirk say a couple weeks ago in his devotion that he gave before church? To boldly approach the throne of grace so we knock with urgency, with the desperation, with the dependency on God. You know, every time we knock at a door though, this is why we don't like knocking on doors, there's a risk of the door not being opened. You ever have that happen? You knock on somebody's door and like, oh, well, I guess they're not home. But not so with God. He will open the door. He always answers. He will provide what you need, Psalm 23. Not all that you want, but all that you need. And I praise God he doesn't give Brandon Henson everything that he wants. My life would be a mess if God gave me everything I wanted. My kids would be dead if I gave them everything they wanted. They think I hate them sometimes because I won't give them this or that. We're, we're having the why don't I have a phone battle right, right now, you know, with our oldest. Um, you, know, we're, you know, all my friends have a phone. I don't have a phone. Any other parents testify in the room. You know, so and so has this. I don't have that. You know, our kids just don't understand sometimes, but we have to help them understand look, no one's looking out for you more than I am. No one cares more about your well being more than me and, of course, the Lord. You got to trust me. No one cares more about your well-being more than God himself. Do you believe that? Is that really true in your soul? Do you really believe God is going to take care of you? We taught on it a few weeks ago. He cares for birds and even snakes. And like those grungy bugs in the bottom of the muck and mire of the swamp. I mean, he makes sure they have what they need. How much more? Jesus is getting there in a second. It's not just persistence over and over and over again, no matter what, I'm going to show up again and again and again and pray. But the second part of the golden promise is this, to be expectant in prayer, to be expectant in prayer. And this one I get really excited about because this this is a game changer for your prayer life. We don't know how God's going to answer it, but we pray like he can. We pray like he is able. It's the doctrine. Again, our theology drives our prayer. How how much are you banking on the fact that God is able? And we get in trouble. We say, well, God might. Well, he might, he might not. I don't know. And yeah, that's kind of true. But if that's all it is, it's just like, eh, am just going to lob this up there. We'll, we'll just see what sticks. We'll just kind of flippantly lob requests up there. And I don't know, maybe it's like a ratio of 1 to 3. You know, like every 3 things I lob up, maybe one of them comes to pass and the other two don't. So I'll just throw up as many as many prayers as I can to God and we'll just see what happens. That's not a worshipful attitude in prayer, friends. I'm calling us, I'm challenging you as your pastor, as your friend to make it more than that. Be expectant in prayer. Let's read Let's read Micah 7-7 together. The prophet Micah says this. This is how he voices his prayer. Ready? But as for me, that means like a lot of other people aren't doing it this way. It doesn't look like this for a lot of other people. And it was really bad Micah's day. Just trust me. It was a mess. Israel was a hot mess. And Micah comes out. He says, but as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Micah knew. Micah trusted in God and he waited expectantly. He waited patiently, but he waited expectantly. I know he's going to show up. I know he will. And I'll just speak from the heart here for a moment. Um, when I pray for things desperately, dependently, I don't know how God's going to move, but I know he will. And I know that I may not even notice how he's moving. We've experienced this before, Right. Where you prayed in a certain situation, it seemed like God wasn't doing anything. He wasn't, it seemed like he didn't even answer you. It seemed like you you just got the call waiting signal from back in the day. Or maybe like the busy signal or whatever kind of, or with the voicemail or whatever. And God didn't even hear you. It seemed like nothing was happening. But then months later you go, oh, I saw what God was doing. But that's nice when it's months later, right? Sometimes it's years later. Sometimes it's a decade later. I see things God was doing in my teenage years that I didn't even see. People, friends I was introduced to. My college roommate was a devout Christian when I got to Georgia Southern University. I had no clue God was going to use that. And couldn't have even told you in that moment what he was doing. And so we really do believe that hindsight's 2020. We really do see the way that things work out. But Micah says, I will watch expectantly. Friends, will you watch expectantly? Watch expectantly what God is going to do in your life. Watch expectantly what God is going to do in the life of our church. He's moving, guys. There's momentum. There's momentum. I pray that you can feel it. I'm not being all ushy gushy I'm not being uh, Eastern when I say feel it. I'm saying that God gives us an inner spiritual sense of his movement. We look for signs. We look for signs of his movement. And I'm just telling you guys, he's moving. Verse 9. Verse 9 says, "Who among you if his son asks him for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, here's the cutting words, ready? who are what's that next word? evil, who know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him?" You know, um Jesus is very honest with us about our spiritual condition. Okay, You go ask any person at Evanstown Center Park. We're going to do the vision and prayer. Then we're going to go to the park after and hang out for a little while. And you just go up to anybody random to say, hey, do you think you're a good person? Do you think you're a good person? I just want to ask. I'm just asking a bunch of people that this week. I want to ask you. Do you think you're a good person? 98%. No, I'd I'd, I'd, I'd say 99.9. That person going to say, Yep. I'm a good person. And why? Well, because they're defining themselves as good by their own standard of good. But Jesus has already said in the Gospels no one is good except God alone. Because goodness, raw, unfiltered, pure goodness, as God defines it, is holiness, it's perfection. And Jesus, as the judge, says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more? It's a lesser, greater argument, friends. And Jesus reminds us that without him, without him, we can do nothing. Without him, we are dead in our sins. Ephesians 2.1, walking dead unless God makes us alive. And if he has made you alive, then we ought not act like we're still dead. That would be silly, right? We ought to live as though I, it's no longer I who live, Paul, Galatians 2.20. It's no, no longer I who live, it's Christ in me. That Paul guy, he's dead. Jesus now lives in me. And oh, I feel that in my bones. I praise God the old Brandon's gone. There's only a couple of y'all in here that knew the old Brandon. But the rest of y'all, he's gone. He's not, he's not coming back. He's dead. He's been crucified. When Christ was crucified on this cross, when he died for our sin, the old me was nailed to that cross as well. My sin was nailed to that cross. Your sin was nailed to that cross. And so Jesus doesn't just call us evil to make us feel bad, but to bring us to an honest place where we go, Jesus, you're my one defense, my righteousness. We just sang that, didn't we? That's what that means. I need you because without you, I'm not righteous, but Jesus, you're my righteousness. That's the doctrine of imputed righteousness where Jesus' righteousness is transferred to you by faith, through faith and repentance. And expectancy, the last thing we'll say about expectancy before we move on and close out. Expectancy always gives way to audacity in our prayers. That's not gonna come up on the screen. But you can just write down Audacity. Audacity. And that word is, is one of my favorite words because it rightly, it, it just so uniquely communicates what God is really trying to drive us towards in our prayer. And you know what it is? It's asking God for the big things. The things... One author put it in this book he wrote called Sun Stand Still. It's a Joshua 10 prayer. Foundations people, those of you that have been reading through the Bible, going through the foundations books, when you got to Joshua chapter 10, God made the sun stand still. He elongated the day so that the battle could be fought and won, but they didn't even win the stinking battle. God fought the battle for them. God took the glory for that. And let me ask you this. What is your sun stand still prayer right now? What are you praying for that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, this cannot happen apart from the hand of God. It won't happen without him. It's so crazy. There's no safety in it at all. It's audacious and we use the term audacious in our culture. There's like a second meaning in the dictionary. If you kind of look at the meanings, the first one is what I said. It's this bold kind of move, this expectant prayer. But the other way that we tend to think of audacious, like, oh, what, what audacity this guy has. It's like a negative thing. It's like, wow, he's kind of, he's kind of prideful in how, how much he assumes. It's a negative trait to be audacious in most cases in our culture. Oh, but not spiritually. Oh, but not in our prayer. No, no, no. Friends, what are you asking God to do right now that only he can do? What are you asking him to do right now that is impossible? It's impossible. Jesus himself says in Matthew, with man, (laughs) yeah, it's impossible. But with God, finish it out for me. All things are possible. Do you believe it? And then we have the golden rule. Oh, we know the golden rule. We've known it for a long time. And here's where we're gonna finish. God calls us to look inward and move outward. You're gonna hear that theme a lot today. We're gonna even get back into it tonight in our vision and prayer time. To look inward and move outward outward and here's what Hillel was saying Hillel was a rabbi we talked about him before in a previous sermon in our series in the Sermon on the Mount and we talked about Hillel and here's Hillel talked about it in a negative way he set this he said he set up the golden rule in kind of a negative uh, terminology he says don't want people to rob you well then don't rob them don't want people to hurt you don't hurt them don't want people to lie to you go ahead Don't lie to them. Okay, this isn't wrong. I mean, right? Correct? I mean, this isn't, this is okay. But in our faith, sometimes we hear the don't more than we hear the do. And Jesus shows up and says, hey, knock it off. (laughs) Stop being hypocrites. Don't pray like that. Don't pray like the hypocrites do. I mean, He has don'ts for us and we need the don'ts. But in the golden rule, the positive sense of wording, how things are worded matters. And what Jesus does when he teaches it, he words it in a more positive sense. He doesn't word it with a don't. He says, if you enjoy being loved, well, love others. If you like being appreciated, appreciate others. And if you like to receive things, well then, be generous to others. And Jesus says in verse 12, simply this, therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, Do the same for them. And this sums up the law and the prophets. Everything God was trying to say in the Old Testament through every single command really summed up in that right there. Love other people the way you want to be loved. And so practical application this week. What's frustrating you right now? What's frustrating you? What do you wish they would do? And this has convicted me before because I've... I've seen things in people before where I go, man, I wish they would do this. I would just really appreciate it if they, if they would, let's just say, like, I, I desire encouragement from this person, and I'm not getting it. Man, I just wish they would affirm me more. Guilty, love, uh, uh, love language, words of affirmation right here. Any other words of affirmation people in the room? Come on now. Yes. I just wish they'd give me more words of affirmation. I need some more. And immediately God's challenging me in my heart going, okay, cool, we'll dish it out. You start dishing out. And then I started going, well, dang, I haven't texted anybody this week anything affirming. And then so I start dishing out the affirmation. Now, did I get this affirmation from the other person? I don't think I did, but did it matter at that point? No, because what did I say in the beginning? The more outward that we're facing, the less obsessive we are about what we feel like we need on the inside. You know, all that we need, all that we truly need All that we truly, truly need is all that we will have in the next life. And that is Jesus Christ. The best part about heaven is not no sickness, no disease, no sin. That's not the best part about heaven. Best part about heaven is him. He's our treasure. We just want to be where he is. So we look inward. I'm going to challenge us this morning, call us, encourage us to place our faith in the golden promise, what we said earlier. God will answer your prayers. We're going to place our faith in the golden promise. How often do you look inward? I hope and pray it's every day. I want to challenge you to do that every day. How often do you challenge others? Christian in the room, challenge others to look inward. Join them in looking inward in them. Care enough about someone's heart To inquire, not just to be nosy, just just out of curiosity, but a genuine care about someone. To get in the muck and mire of the inward heart that we all kind of have in there. And Jesus has cleaned up all of our mess, but we still are a work in progress. Amen? The Holy Spirit is still working on us. But then we move outward, like we said. And we got to move our faith to live the golden rule. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about gospel change inward, and then an outward advancement of the mission. It mirrors that, in and out. And tonight, when we meet at Harvest Point at 5, we're going to talk about up, in, and out. We're going to add an up component for worship. And so this is our response time this morning. It's to look inward and move outward. I'm just going to give you a second just to pray right where you're at. But you know what? I'm going to challenge... Us this morning, I don't know if it's much of a challenge, but it's just an invitation, an invitation. We don't, we don't do this a whole lot. It's not really in our church culture yet, but I'd like to start trying it. So if there are any crazy people this morning that just want to try it, I think that'd be great. You're not crazy, but you know what I mean. I, I want to call us to come forward. I'm not gonna be standing down there because this week I've got that thing on and I'm tied to a cable, but we're gonna open up the front here. And if you're able, just come and kneel and just pray to God. Move, move outward. Get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your seat. If you don't get out of your seat, nobody's judging you. We're not like, oh, well, they got out of the seat and they didn't, so they're not spiritual and they are like none of none of that. We want you to be who you are, whatever God's calling you to do. I'm opening this up. I'm saying it's okay. <laughs> okay? Nobody's looking at you funny. We're focused on Him right now. And we just want to respond. Look inward. If you need to sit there and just look inward for a moment, that's fine. If you need to move outward and come and kneel up front and pray, then that's good too. I'm going to give that just a minute. And it's going to be quiet, but but that's okay. Let's just sit in that silence and talk to God. Respond to him this morning. Jesus, help us respond to you this morning by looking inward and moving outward. Help us remember your golden promise and your golden rule. Jesus, um, I pray that you would move in our hearts during this response time. Be so specific within us, Lord, of what you want to change in us, what you want to bring out in us, the things that are already there, that you just want to fan the flame. Like Paul encourages Timothy and just says, Timothy, I just want to fan the flame to what God's doing in you, to that gift he gave you. I want to kindle afresh that gift. And so God, help us do that in this response time. Help us see you and help us cry out to you in worship and desperation in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit anchorchurchcsra.com or follow us on social media at anchorchurchcsra.